Hello and welcome to Heroes of New York, a podcast about everyday heroes who have refused to let the pandemic stop them from serving others. In every episode, I will introduce to you someone who has risen above the odds to uplift people around them. I'm your host, Anu Senan. She's a mom, wife, homemaker, businesswoman, and an improv artist. Today on our show, we have with us Sarita Akia. In 2005, Sarita and her husband, Caesar Akia, quit their engineering jobs in New Hampshire and relocated to Manhattan because of their love for the Big Apple. Shortly after moving there, Sarita came up with the idea of opening a restaurant dedicated solely to mac and cheese. And nine months later, their baby, Smack, opened its doors. When COVID hit New York, it affected all restaurants and small businesses alike. Smack was affected as well, but Sarita and Caesar found a way to keep their business open and serve healthcare workers at the same time. Happy to have you here with us, Sarita, today. Welcome. Thanks, Anu. It's great to be here with you. A lot of people don't know this, but Sarita and I know each other through our kids' Cub Scouts program. And a few weeks ago, we were both up in the Catskills at Frost Valley. Oh my God. I feel so long ago. I know, hiking through the snow, tasting maple syrup. It was only eight weeks ago, but it feels like a whole different world. It does. I I forgot, I almost forgot about Frost Valley. And now that you bring it to the forefront, I'm like, oh my goodness, that we had such an awesome time. And it was not even two months ago. You're right. It was not even two months ago. And today we are talking via Zoom with each other because you have done a lot since then. And I'm so excited to share that with our listeners. So Sarita, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, Sure. So Anu, uh, maybe some of this is news to you too. (laughs) So uh, my background, like you said, I'm a mechanical engineer and my husband Caesar and I moved, we were living in New Hampshire and we moved to New York City back in 2005, uh, looking, you know, we had quit our jobs, moved to the city. We really wanted to live in New York City. And we, we were, you know, here to get engineering jobs. But what happened was we started eating out like all New Yorkers do. We were true New Yorkers from like day one in that sense. And I came up with this idea. We were eating at a lot of niche restaurants. We lived in the East Village. We still live in the East Village. And there were a lot of niche restaurants. So we were at a place that just did peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I said to Caesar, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was a place that did PB&J and grilled cheese and mac and cheese? I'm like, oh, oh yeah, forget about the other two. Let's just go and eat at the mac and cheese place. And sure enough, there wasn't one. And that's kind of Basically, this, that was the start. That was the seed for Smack. And like you said, nine months later, we opened up Smack. So we've been in operation for now um, 14 years coming up this June. And, you know, we've seen a lot of highs and lows. We've had, you know, we opened up our doors to lines down the block. So we kind of, we had a cult following from day one. But then, you know, as we expanded to multiple locations, we had three locations. And then we scaled back, back down to one location. Um, We've gone through Hurricane Sandy in the city. And now, you know, obviously us along with mostly all other businesses are in this situation um, of being highly impacted impacted by COVID-19. And Yorkers are known to be resilient. And you show those traits, right? <laughs> it's, it's interesting because, yeah, I saw a sign the other day. I think it was at the post of the School of Visual Arts and it was the I Heart New York 
more than ever now. And I just, I stopped and I, on the street corner, I looked at it and I got emotional. I took a picture and I was like, yes, this is, this is true. You know, I'm born and raised in Nova Scotia, Canada, which also had its own tragedy this week. Um, and my heart, a piece of my heart is definitely there, but I also feel so, so allegiant to New York City. You know, we've been here for so long. This is my home now. Yeah. How has this affected your business? So, uh, Mid-March, you know, it was that, I feel like it must have been March 16th, was that Monday where uh, it was the kind of a sudden thing. You know, I worked, I worked over the weekend at Smack and I remember walking to work on that Friday night and we, we were open late night. We started opening up until 5 a.m. on the weekends just earlier this year. That was the new thing for us in January. And I was doing the overnight shift on Friday and I walked to Smack and the bars were packed that Friday before this Monday, March 16th. So I got to work and it was really dead that night. It was the first night that it was really like, I was like, okay, this is, this is real. This is real now. You know, people aren't out, people are out partying, but people aren't out eating. Right. And that Monday night, that following Monday was when the mandate went in that you had to reduce, I believe the you had to be 50% capacity for dine-in. Or no, actually that Monday was when you had to change solely to takeout and delivery. My timeline is a little bit, because time is so weird now. So that Monday, the 16th, we had to change our setup to completely dine-in, um, takeout and delivery. And luckily we already were a business that does takeout and delivery anyhow. Now, it's not all—it's not the majority of our business. Now, now it has to be, obviously, because that's all we have. You know, all these questions are flying. Like, do you stay open? Can you sustain staying open? Is it safe for your employees to come to work? Is it safe for you to be at work? We have got two young kids at home. You know, some of my employees have elderly parents at home. So it's like you're flooded with all of these questions and you don't, it's so much uncertainty. So at that point, that first, that first week in March, it was, I guess, mid-March, I, um, it was, I mean, it was so scary. It was so uncertain. It's like, okay, are we, is anyone going to get a paycheck in our business? Is anyone going to be able to pay their rent? You know, those questions are all going, can you put food on the table for your family? Once we were able to sit down and rethink the whole process through and check in with the staff, we, we were able to, okay, make the decision we're going to stay open. But then there's the unknown of, do you have enough sales? Are you going to be able to operate safely? And so once we got through those first couple of weeks in March, we're like, okay, we do have business. We're down 70%, but we are able to pay our staff and we're able to pay our food costs so that we can keep ordering food to make and we can also keep paying the employees. So that was a big thing for us to be able to stay open. You know, our landlord has been very flexible, thank goodness. And other vendors have been very flexible, obviously. And then you just, over those two weeks, it's just a roller coaster of emotions because you just pray that people are coming to, to still eat, but in a safe way. So we had to reconfigure the whole restaurant so that people could order from the sidewalk. And then also, so they could, aren't walking in directly to the restaurant. So it's like, you're always maintaining that social distancing with, if you have to pay for cat with cash, you still have to have like a social distance between you. Um, our kitchen is completely separated off. You know, we blockaded the front of our restaurant with tables. Um, we started offering frozen meal kits for people who want to throw things in the freezer and stock up their freezer. So there's, there was a lot of things that we, we, a lot of things had to happen in a short amount of time to enable us to stay open. But thank goodness we were able to do it. I think that's the problem solving too. Like my husband and I are both engineers. So everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, you, you want a restaurant now. It's completely different. Like no restaurant life is constant problem solving, whether it's like in the fire moment or it's long-term projects, but there's so much engineering that goes into running a business, a small business. And I think that's, that's really helped us a lot. 
Wow, you've clearly revamped your business model. How long did it take you to switch to this new way of working? The actual setup in the restaurant happened that Monday night, like that Monday afternoon. We did it like so that was that was fast. So that was something that thank goodness again we were able to do because we're on the corner space of 12th Street and 1st Avenue in the East Village and we have windows that open up onto the sidewalk. Thank goodness we're able to just even we lock our door, but we have one whole windowed area that's open so it's like you have space between like customers ordering and the and any one of our staff so that was very you know that took a couple of hours of organizing so that wasn't bad but then you know to think through okay what do people need right now what do people want right now the frozen kits that took you know again we kind of vamped that we've been thinking about that for years and finally we just we like accelerated it and took that took us another couple days to to figure out okay how are we going to freeze the kits what are the baking instructions how do we do so we figured that all out another like I'd say about within 72 hours to, you know, three to four days, we had that figured out and on the menu as well by the next week. And then we were also at the very beginning, we, you know, the shock of it all, how many people were out of work. We were really trying to provide gift cards for people who couldn't afford groceries on their table. So that was a big concern of ours too, because we know it's like, there's so many people who are losing their job and they don't have the ability either to apply for unemployment or get unemployment, or there's a backlog, you know, all of that. So that was kind of our concern. And we wanted to give back in that way. But also early on, we started getting requests from hospitals for donating food. And, you know, pharmacists and social workers and doctors. And, and this is at the very beginning. So we got some requests and we just, we, we had them and we we're like, how do, how are we going to deal, deal with these? Because they, we want to help, but we also are barely paying our staff. You know, we need to, we, we are, have already cut a shift from every employee to keep them on payroll, but I can, I can't even give them 40 hours because I just don't have the, enough business. I don't even have enough business for them to be on four shifts, but I want them to make more than they would if they were going to go on unemployment. And so we are like, how do we actually give back to all these frontline workers that we want to give back to and that are requesting of us? And we came up with the idea of asking our immediate community, our customers, our friends, friends of friends, you know, we just asked them to share a post that we came up with. And if you'd like to give back and help um, some frontline workers, then please purchase a gift card to our restaurant and email it back to us. So purchase the e-gift card, email it back to us and we'll apply it to that order. And that has been amazing. The generosity, the support. Also, what I didn't realize is, you know, there are so many people who, who want to help and they don't, they feel helpless, like you say, right? People are feeling very helpless, but they want a means to help. So I actually had people thanking us, like, you know, we, we wanted to help somehow. And thank you for, I'm like, thank you for, you know, this is actually helping to employ my people too, because now we have orders to fulfill. And, and we, Caesar and I are personally delivering all of the deliveries to the hospitals. Um, we're, pro we're, approaching, uh, I think about, yeah, over 1500 meals now that we've provided for different shifts at all different hospitals. And just the gratitude that people have, you know, these guys are risking their lives every day. And it's so humbling to hand over food to them and then thank you profusely. And we're like, no, you shouldn't be thanking us. This is like a little bit of something from a lot of people to you guys who are risking so much. And, uh, that's actually been like a piece of joy. You know, it's like me, it's, it's like that lemonade out of lemons, right? You really, it's, it's something that unfortunately these frontline workers have to do, but 
you, when you see that and you have that interaction, it's like, oh, this just, this actually makes my heart, makes my heart really full right now. And I think we all need that. We all need something to make us feel a little more whole. Sarita, you're clearly someone who performs even better under pressure. <laughs> That's what your story tells me. <laughs> How many hospitals do you reach out to? So now the word has gotten out. So most of the hospitals are reaching out to us, but we've gone to, we're trying to get, we're trying to fly as far as we can kind of thing. So we've got, we've done some deliveries in to Brooklyn as well. Now we've done a lot. We were so close to Bellevue and Beth Israel and NYU. It's literally like right up the, right up First Avenue. So we've done a lot of deliveries locally. We're going to go to Montefiore in the Bronx. We're doing, we've gone up to uh, Columbian Presbyterian all the way up, uh, you know, in the one seventies. We are trying to get out as far as we can, because uh, we know that all of these hospitals have units that are just tirelessly working. So the word is out. So we, we do get, we get multiple requests a day now, which is great, but we are trying to, we want to keep going. So, so far we have raised over $12,000 and every meal has been paid for. It's gotten to a point where we're like, okay, we, we also want to donate back too. So we're able to donate like a large delivery a week, but right now we're doing two to three deliveries some days. Uh, we started out with one delivery a day, but now we've just ramped it up. So as long as we keep getting the support from the community we will keep doing this as long as you know is required and are you able to manage with your existing staff we are you know one of the nice things right now is that i had to lay off two people part-time people unfortunately when this all occurred but this week, I literally just, just before we got on this call, I texted one of the guys and I was like, I think I have at least a couple of shifts for you. So if you're willing to come back, we'll, we'll take you. So that, that was a, re- that's a really good feeling just to be able to say, oh yes, I can give someone work again and they can, you know, they don't have to stress about paying their bills because I know it's just, you know, it's such a, such a highly stressful situation regardless, like health wise. So then when on top, if you exacerbate it with not being able to, you know, pay for essentials, uh, it's a really tough time for a lot of people. Mental health is a really crucial factor. How or have you ever worked on boosting your employee morale? Yeah, so we've been uh, we've been checking in with the staff every week, just having a, a we'll basically take one shift that's a crossover shift to have a meeting, then video conference everyone else. And we check in with everyone every week. Uh, just how are they feeling? What do you guys feel about right now? You know, the nice thing is all of them seem to be doing pretty good. Like they, they, there's, there's one of my employees who's been a lot, who was with us for almost 10 years. And unfortunately, you know, his mother is ill and he's got a brother with cancer. So he has, to, he does not feel comfortable coming into work. So he's the only one. And then everyone else seems pretty comfortable. Uh, the one thing that, you know, of course, I think we've all heard or seen is just the train situation right now is, is, is precarious at best, right? So there's less trains running, there's less safety because of the homeless situation on the trains, which again, I know, you know, then you feel for, that's a very vulnerable population. So how, how does that get handled, right? So, uh, but that's, that, that's a big concern of mine. Like most of the staff is coming in from the Bronx or the Queens. Their, their commutes aren't short. So, you know, we want to make sure that they still feel comfortable coming in. We've given everyone ponchos. We make sure everyone's outfitted with masks and gloves and anything they need. Um, and then we try to keep those lines of communication as open as possible. Are you afraid of catching the disease? I try not to think about it, honestly. I've been, you know, I've been as safe as I think I can be. Like I'm always suited up. I make sure I'm washing my hands. Like my hands are so dry right right now. 
Um, yeah, but it is a concern because I am out probably more than the average person right now because between Caesar and I, one of us is going to the restaurant almost every day. And now we're going to the hospitals to drop off food. My children, thank goodness, in some ways, they, they actually are homebodies. They don't want to leave home. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening to them? They're turning into couch potatoes. Uh, so they leave home maybe twice a week, almost on pressure from us to leave to just go for a family walk or something. But I've just... Yeah, I, I really don't focus on that. I just stay as safe as I can. And and that's that's it. Because I think that you can drive yourself crazy uh, thinking like, well, I get it, won't I get it? As long as you take the precautions. Uh, and I don't, it's not like I go out just to go out. It's like I'm going out to work. I'm going to do a hospital delivery. And that's about it, you know. And are you able to maintain this physical distancing at work? We are. So that that's, that's the nice thing is that at work, we are all able to be within six feet of each other. And then with customers, sometimes if a customer needs help because the, the customers are self-ordering right now, but if they need me to ring them up, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing, right? Because when you have the mask on and you're six feet, if you're six feet away from someone with a mask on, there's no way someone can hear what I'm saying because it's so muffled. But if I stay six feet away and I take, then I'm like, oh, I'm six feet away. I can take my mask off to at least talk to them. Otherwise it's like, then you have a mask on, you're coming so close to someone. What's the point, right? I might as well just take the mask off, be six feet away and have the conversation on how to ring them up, right? It's those like those common sense things that sometimes you're like, okay, I have to, let me just think about this again. But we are able to maintain distance, which is good. And last night you were online on an improv show. How are you managing all this? Oh, so I, you know, honestly, that yesterday I did an improv show with two of my my good buddies from the Magnet Theater where we where we study improv. Uh, and it's funny, I I feel like I'm not in some ways not doing enough because I've, there's been other rehearsals and requests, and I just have I've been like, you know what, I can't do it. But last time, like, okay, it's been over a week. I think I want to do some more improv. It's it's just it's a scheduling thing. I know. I can schedule my day properly. I feel like before I would always just be like, oh, I'm tr- trying to get too much done. So now, and I'm, I've learned how to say no to things, which I was never good at before. So now, you know, that combination, I, all of those things has helped me to be able to do some of what I love outside of work and kids and taking care of the home. My, my apartment, just before I got off the phone with you, me and the kids cleaned up the living room. And I said, after I get off this call, one of you is is responsible for vacuuming one is responsible for dusting and i will do the sweeping but our, my apartment is a disaster normally i would be going nuts and i've just conceded that yes you can't do it all and don't drive yourself crazy right so but it will get done today <laughs> i i believe in that don't drive yourself crazy yeah, yeah. but how do you manage scheduling? I'm a, I'm a mom. I have a full-time job. I'm mean, I'm not able to figure out how to manage all of these different things. How do you schedule? You know, i used to be one of those people who, who was like, you know what, I've all, I kept a lot of stuff in my head. And now as I get older, I realize, oh, I do forget things. I never was able to admit that before too. So now actually, as crazy as our calendar looks, Caesar and I put, we calendar everything now, including like downtime, like no, no work talk, no working on the kids homework with them. Not like just, we actually schedule in relaxation time because we found what was happening was yes, we'd get all these things done. And then you had no time in the week to just do nothing. And so then you would go and burn out after like a few weeks or a month or whatever. So now my calendar, although that used to stress me out looking in the calendar and seeing so many things in the calendar, now I feel better about it. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is keeping, this is what's keeping me on track that I have. Everything is scheduled 
whether it's like, you know, um, you know, of course this call will be scheduled, but then afterwards, if I want to clean the apartment, that's scheduled in my calendar now too. It's not, oh, I'm just going to do that when I have free time. No, it's going to be scheduled in. If we don't get to it, fine, but I, at least I put a placeholder for it. And was it easy to switch to online schooling with also with revamping your business model at the same time. Oh my gosh, online schooling. Those, those memes, honestly, are just, I, I belly laugh over so many of those because this is the other thing, the inequity of, of remote learning right off the bat is frustrating. I have to give it to the NYC DOE. They have done such an amazing job getting people up to speed, but I feel for all these parents who are still working full-time jobs and now who have young kids who need that, like my second grader, he needs me beside him to help him with his homework. He, he can't just independently do it. My fifth grader is fine. We've been managing. I've also realized like the first couple of weeks I was doing it, I was pretty militant and it was stressing me out. And Caesar was like, I think you're stressed. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I feel like I'm getting stressed. So I, I, la- I relaxed on that. I laxed up a bit. But again, it, this is, this is just, it's hard when you, and I'm sure you get it, you get it too, Anu, right? Like when you're, when you are so used to being that person, like as a mother, and we both have lovely husbands and they're so great, but as a, there's something about being a mother that puts that additional pressure on you. And it's just a matter of saying, you know what? It's not worth it trying to do everything. So yes, the homeschooling thing is happening, but some days, you know, we're not, we're not super rigid and rigorous. We're just doing the best we can. I like that message because that's exactly what we do at home. We are not rigid. My son is actually frustrated with online schooling because he says, I'm not fast with my fingers and typing. Right. He feels frustrated and frustration makes him give up easily. So we have relaxed the rules. It's a learning curve. There's a learning curve to this. I am not a teacher. So it's a learning curve for working mothers like you and me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any message for other small business owners and entrepreneurs? You know, I think that one thing that's always helped me in any kind of form of, of adversity, I mean, I think this is, this is the, definitely the largest we've seen, the, the most heavy hitting, but is to, you know, you are, you are your advocate, right? You are, no one knows your business better than you do. And you need to just always be kind of looking out as to what you can do to help your business and help others within the business and everyone else. So, so for me, it's even for like this funding thing, like there's, you know, there's, it's such a mess with this government, the federal funding, what's happened with the PPP loans and whatnot, you know, I'm crossing my fingers as the second time around, we get something, but that's something that, you know, I'm always Googling or looking around like what, what, where's the help for small business and what, so then there was like, there's a Facebook grant, there's other grants out there, but unless you're not, you have to self-advocate and you have to really make sure because there are things out there. It's just a matter of like finding them, right? So that's one thing. Another thing is, guess what? You are the heart. Small business owners really are the heart of this country and there's so much good out there and there's so much generosity. So don't be scared to ask. Sometimes that's hard. Even before we did this whole gift card ask, Caesar and I were talking about it and, and he basically thought of the gift card, the way of doing it with gift cards. And I was hesitant for a bit. And I was like, oh, is it too much to ask of people right now? And so many people are struggling. But then when we thought of it, we're like, you know what? There's a lot of people struggling, but the way we, we, were, we weren't asking those people, like even in our initial messages, like if your income has not been impacted. The most beautiful thing I think I've seen is I've had people who have given $5 and are like, I wish I could give more. So you know, if that person is giving $5, they are struggling and they are still willing to give. It's just... Don't be scared of asking and 
also don't be scared of giving at this time too, because sometimes that, that can be really tough that you, you're, you're struggling. How do you survive? But you know what? There's always somewhere within what you're doing that you can give back. And if you can figure that out, you are going to make people around you happy, but that's going to make you feel so much better too. Because like you said, everyone needs a little lift right now. Everyone needs something good and and that will keep you going because I think the indefinite timeline of this just makes things so much harder. So to be able to live in the exact moment and do what you can right now will, I think, make your life just a better, better life right now. I agree. And do you have any tips or useful advice for our listeners on how they can help others during this time? You know, I think that the biggest thing right now is if there's any, if you have any way to, you know, I don't know if people are leaving their apartments, but if they are able to volunteer, there's like food pantries that need help. Uh, obviously, monetary donations for places that are feeding healthcare workers. But it's like the small things. Like in our building, my my kids are love to draw, so they've they've drawn they've drawn a bunch of dot. They love this series called Dogman Comics, and they put pictures on every one of our neighbors' doors. And most of our neighbors on our floor, the majority are elderly neighbors, and and so they're not leaving their apartments at all. really right and just the sheer joy that they've gotten from that so it's like the little things just literally if there's something little like you can slide a note under your neighbor's door or you know we we put a puzzle again for another neighbor and people are doing that for us too i think those little things are just they give you that piece of human connection that a lot of us are lacking right now. I actually feel lucky in a lot of ways that I do get human connection because I'm at the restaurant. So I, even if I'm not engaged in these long conversations, like I will see some of my friends, like I saw Miss Kim from our scout troop the other day too, or Caesar is actually Caesar to, to pick up. So we can wave and like see our, like I see friends bike by who are going to work and whatnot, but I can only imagine if you're not getting it, how you feel. So those little things are still ways to connect with people. And I think the little, the little things will make a big difference. What do you do to stay sane and happy? I've actually, I feel like the first month of this, I was doing absolutely nothing for that just because I was so consumed mentally with what, how to keep smack afloat and, you know, this remote learning. Two days ago, it was something as simple as um, I love to read. I haven't read a book in how many months now. So I picked up just a fiction novel and I read a chapter and I felt so good after that. So I think it's, again, it's just, if you can carve out something, like I know some of my friends, they make sure that they do even like 10 minutes of yoga a day or, or they go outside and go for a 10 minute walk on their own. That, that has also made a difference. I, I feel like I did, I wasn't separating from the family for the first four weeks. And then when we started doing these hospital deliveries, I'd walk home from like one of the local hospitals and that walk on my own, just let me be like you're you have no obligations to anyone and you kind of feel like a normal human being again so i think if you if you're not alone right now i think one thing is just carve out some alone time somehow for yourself if you are alone on the flip side make sure that you are connecting with someone and that so it's kind of like a you know a different thing on each side but for me yeah definitely the in the 10 minutes of alone time a day was is making a difference for me I agree. Self-reflection is really important and staying grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Sarada. It was a pleasure talking to you. I wish you and Caesar all the best and hang in there. Things will turn around. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Anu. Looking forward to when we can meet in person again. Same here. Yeah. Yes. Thanks for joining us this week on Heroes of New York. 
make sure to visit our website anusenan.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks from now.